Hello, and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast that deals with the intricacies of planning worship with and for your faith community. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries at Discipleship Ministries, a general agency of the United Methodist Church located here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our podcast was developed to discuss ways to plan worship experiences using the Common Lectionary, along with acknowledging other special days and events throughout the liturgical year. Our goal is always to assist you in creating corporate worship celebrations that are engaging, relevant, and adaptable to your church setting. However, like all of us, we've had to kind of roll with the changes that have come upon us in this time of social distancing and online worship. We've been looking at different approaches to this thing we call worship. And so we are here to to meet whatever needs you might have and if you have questions or comments or, or things you'd like to hear about, please feel free to contact us through our website, umcdiscipleship.org, and we'd be glad to, to help you in the situations where you are. But today I'm I'm on my own. We're usually with the team, the, the three of us, Cynthia Wilson and Diana Sanchez-Bouchon, make up the worship team at Discipleship Ministries, and we discuss a variety of things, but but I'm on my own this time. I wanted to talk a little bit about preaching, um, particularly preaching online. I know a lot of you have been dealing with it and you're saying, well, why didn't you talk about this months ago? This is when we, we needed it. But, but I think it's still in front of us. I think even as we transition from the, the closed church buildings to an in-person kind of worship in whatever format that's gonna take in your local setting, we still have this question about how do we maintain our online presence? How do we continue to provide worship for both for our congregations who do not yet feel safe enough to gather together in a place with other people who may be at risk communities or who may just have some concerns and some questions, but want to maintain a link uh, to their worship, their worship community, their worship life through the online approach. Plus, we're also hearing from church after church and pastor after pastor, worship leader after worship leader who are finding all kinds of advantages to online worship. We hope that you are not looking forward to a time where you can stop doing that and get back to real worship in the church, but that it will continue on even once we feel free enough to worship as we may have before, or at least something like that. We think we believe that online worship is a new phase of connecting with our communities, inviting new and different people to come and be a part of all that we're trying to do together. We've heard so many stories about how churches are reaching audiences that they never reached before. Folks who wouldn't even come to their churches, maybe they live in their neighborhoods or maybe they're half a world away, and yet are still tuning in and finding a way to be a part of their local so I hope you intend to continue some online presence in whatever format that might be. Um, there are ways that we can continue to do this, but I want to talk specifically about preaching, the preaching element. I am the director of preaching ministries, therefore it is my fascination and my task, but also my passion to talk a lot about preaching. Now, of course, there are things that connect, whether we're talking about online preaching, or whether we're talking about in-person preaching. There are things that are the same, but I want to 
suggest that we are perhaps shifting our emphases a little bit when we move from an in-person face-to-face role for the preacher into an online kind of thing. Things have changed. Early on in the pandemic, when churches were struggling to figure this thing out, a lot of the leaders, the teachers of preaching were saying how hard it is to preach to an empty room. That was even the the title of some of the writing that was there. And certainly they're they're exactly right. That, That not having that direct feedback has caused us to rethink what it is that we're doing and how we're doing it. Some have tried to, to fake an audience in a sense, to have people pretending to be there so that we can respond to that. And I understand that desire. I too like to play off of the responses that come to us. But I still think online preaching provides us a unique opportunity to communicate the word. So I want us to think a little bit together about that. One thing that happens when you shift from in-person to online is that the focus shifts. The focus is is now much narrower. It's no longer the whole environment of preaching. It is the face that is there on the screen. And you may set up a a worship environment that provides that background a little bit, but, but the focus is certainly tighter. The other thing that has happened in the shift from worshiping in person to online is that the distractions multiply. There's so many things that that draw us away. I was speaking with a preacher friend of mine talking about this transition back into in-person worship, and he was reporting that some of his congregation have expressed a reluctance to come back, not just because of the pandemic or the virus or, or the risk that's taken, but because they like being able to do things while they listen multitasking at home, and and they can tune you in. Plus, it also means there's a mute button and a way to turn you off, which is hard to do in person. But it means that distractions have multiplied. There's so many things, so we have to think about what is the implication to our message because of all of that. And we've already spoken about interaction and how interaction is delayed or or technological, or even non-existence. If we just have to proclaim the word, cast the bread upon the waters and hope it does not come back empty. We trust in that word. In this process, the preacher's transition from being a public speaker to being a screen celebrity, you might say, and therefore our image matters, perhaps in ways that it didn't before. So we have to pay attention to how we approach the screen, how we approach the camera, and what is important to those who are are watching. Now, we might say, well, our congregation doesn't care about all of that. They just want to listen to the word, and they can look beyond the the foibles and the inadequacies of the speaker, and and that's true. But but if it is also true that we are reaching new people, people who are not used to the preaching environment, not used to worship in this kind of way, then we do have to pay attention and say what is coming across, what is seen on the screen as well as heard. doesn't mean we become obsessed with it. It doesn't mean we become, become ego-centered and, and driven about our what we look like, but that we do pay attention, pay attention to some of those things. So I'm going to suggest that there are perhaps Three things, three things in particular that we can think about that help us uh, examine the message that we're trying to give, that help us frame a little bit about what we're trying to do. 
on these three things that I've shared in other settings, but now bring into this are presence, passion, and personality. So let's start with presence. The television or the screen, the computer screen, or however we're projecting ourselves online is an intimate medium. It is a one-on-one. -on -one. We are right in people's homes, right in their faces in some way. So how do we continue to communicate presence? It is an opportunity for us to be with people, to be in their face in a way, perhaps both in a positive and a negative. We can challenge them, we can threaten them, we can warn them, but we can also invite them, encourage them. We can be with them, but only if we pay attention to that presence. And one of the things that distracts from presence is reading. If you have a message that you worked hard on and it's right in front of you and you want to read that message so that everybody understands it, then, then your presence is going to be limited. You're not with them, you're reading to them, which is a different kind of experience. In one setting, when I was sharing some of these ideas, I suggested that we as preachers ought to go ahead and work on our message. We ought to write it out our manuscripts and have it fully done and then set it aside or, or maybe even post it on our website and say to the folks that we're speaking to you really want to read the message you can download it and read it yourself but instead i want to talk to you about some essential qualities in other words we take the sermon that we've written and we distill it down to what really matters so that we can lean in and look them in the eye and say i just i'm going to tell you about the crux of this text that, that I'm preaching from, the, the, the vital message that I want you to have today that, that's so important to you. So we pay attention to how much we are looking at the camera, not on our script, not around, not avoiding that eye contact, but really looking. I know we can't see them in return. They're, they're not responding directly to us unless we're doing a Zoom kind of thing and they're boxes all around, but even that would be distracting from our own presentation. So instead, we just imagine. We imagine that the camera is the individuals that we focus on. So we look into them and at them, and we encourage them. We are right there with them. We reflect a presence when we proclaim, when we preach, when we share in an online kind of message. The second word then is passion. Sometimes some people think, well, because it's so intimate, because it has to be shorter in some ways, because of attention spans and distractions, that that, that means I have to back off the passion. And I would say that if passion for you means volume and shouting and waving, that's passion, then yeah, perhaps you do need to rein that in a little bit. But Intimacy does not mean a lack of passion. It just means we think about how that passion is communicated. It's not so much volume as it is intensity, as it, in, as it is believing in the message that you proclaim. Ultimately, I think passion is communicated by belief. Do you believe what you're saying? And not just in an academic, disconnected kind of way, but do you Believe that this word that you have brought can make a difference in people's lives, can make them different. 
can make them experience something new and profound and deep. Believe in the message and belief in the hearer. That's where passion comes from. When we remember the people that we're speaking to, maybe even ones we don't know yet, ones who have just tuned in off the street, but we know that they're there because we trust in God who brings the hearers to us in whatever format that they are. And we believe in them. We believe that they are a valuable child of God and therefore worthy of this message. And that this message is not somehow disconnected from their lives, but it is essential. It is the core of what we're doing. I would often tell preachers in my preaching classes that we're dealing with life and death here. Let's admit it. Let's be honest about that. Let's not say these are just some good ideas that you could think about if you want to, but that this stuff really matters. It matters in, in how you live your life. It matters in the directions that you might take. It matters in how you respond to your neighbors and friends and family, even, even those with whom you are most intimate. This message, this word can help shape even those relationships in powerful life changing kinds of ways. This is not a time for us to back off on passion, to back off on the idea that says this is important stuff. And I have a word for you, not to just distract you for a moment, but to change your life. Because I believe and I'm proclaiming about a Christ who wants to change your life, change your life to be more whole, more real, transformed into life and life eternity. Passion is still required, even in online preaching. And how do you communicate passion? Well, that's kind of up to you. That's the third word that I wanted to share, and that's personality. I guess my message to you as online preachers is you do you. Don't try to do someone else. You may have run across somebody else's sermons, and that's one of the things that this online world has brought us is all kinds of preachers and all kinds of sermons that we can learn from. And I recommend that you scan around, find some other churches, find some other preachers, preachers like you, not necessarily the named famous people, not, not the ones who have their own TV shows, but the ones who are preaching in churches like yours. They're online now. You can go and find them on YouTube and Facebook and all kinds of other places where you can find their messages. So go and listen to them. But don't listen to them as, as a way to find someone to copy. See, there's nobody else like you out there. And I believe, I always believe, that God has called you because of who you are, because of the gifts that you have. God has not called you to be someone else. God has called you to be you. So don't try to adapt and adopt and to change. Just be yourself but be your best self. Be the self that lifts up. Be the self that encourages. Be the self that is willing to roll with these changes, the changes in format, the changes in structure, the changes in, in how we proclaim this word, but be the self that is still true, who you truly are, and hold on to that, to that reality. See, Part of what we're trying to do is to continue to create a sense of community. And true 
community is made up of people, people who are real people, people who are uh, who are really engaged with this word and trying to figure it out, people who are really failures sometimes as well as successes, people who have stumbled and people who have picked themselves up. So as you tell your story, as you proclaim from the sense of who you are, you are inviting people into a, a relationship with who and what you are, and therefore encouraging them to be real people too in this relationship. So be you, be who you are with all your quirks and your foibles, but be the one that God has called to proclaim this message. Be present, be passionate, be a personality, the personality that you are. But behind all of that, we have some other things that we ought to keep in mind too. And the first one is something that I alluded to early on, and that is that grace is available and freely given. Don't worry if you do it wrong sometimes, if you mess it up. The church that I have connected with here in Nashville, two weeks in a row has had technological problems along the way. And so we're watching along on the screen and all of a sudden it just freezes. And I'm sure it's horribly frustrating and the people back at the, the home church are, are pulling their hair out trying to get but we hang in and we tune in again and we come back. Grace is available. Forgiveness will be given. Doesn't mean that we have to rely on that and that we want things to go wrong, but just understand that we are human beings and this process is a struggle at best. So mistakes happen and no one really expects the preacher to be an expert in the technology or a polished performer online. Even though we do our best and we pay attention. We pay attention to where the camera focuses. How do we sit or stand in front of the screen? Many times I have tuned into a worship service or even an online devotional and, and been startled by the preacher who's looming over me as it looks up his nose or something. Watch where the camera's being held. Look at yourself. So pay attention to that. So grace is given. Even though we want to do our best, we want to proclaim the best that we are able to do because God has called us to this. Don't get so tied up that we're unable to communicate. Grace is given. The other reality that we have to keep in mind is that people are hungry for sacred spaces. So if you're not doing this in your church, in your sanctuary, find ways to show those pictures to let people see the church that they're not able to attend or are not as active in as they used to be. Let that be a background, let that be a reminder and tell them you long for that space too and that connectedness. We need our sacred spaces to be located in, in the place and the focus of God. So let those spaces be part of the proclamation as well but also trust in the word too. Trust that the word has power and that the word that you proclaim and you work as hard as you ever did in discerning the message and listening to the word that comes through the text that you have chosen. Whether you're a lectionary preacher following a pattern, whether you use the, the series that we create or others create or that you have created yourselves that follows a, a pattern through the scripture text don't let the scripture disappear in the midst of all of this. And your 
effort to be intimate and to be present and to be close to the people. Don't set aside God's word. Because in the end, the intimacy is a three-way thing. It's you and the hearer and it's God. And God is present there. And that word is what brings God's presence to that. So trust in that presence. Trust in that word. And realize the doors are opening. New doors are opening. People are tuning in. It amazes me as I hear reports of people who are starting membership classes with folks who don't even live in their town. But they want to belong to this church they found online. We're going to have to rethink membership as we go forward in all of this. What does it mean to be a member of our local church? Does it mean someone who's able to come in the doors when the doors open fully? Or does it mean someone who is somehow connected with the words that we say? It's hard to say what will happen going forward. And it's also hard for us to think about whether in the future, when everyone that can is back and the sanctuaries are full again, what will be the role of the online worship? In the past, a lot of churches who had an online presence saw it kind of as an extra, like an open window. If somebody's passing by and they want to look in, okay, but I'm not really paying that much attention. My attention is in the congregation that has gathered before me. Perhaps one thing we've learned in this time is that that online presence needs as much attention as any. And it may be going forward that we create a different setting, that we have our worship in-house and we preach and proclaim there, but we do a separate thing for the online because the medium is different. And what we do face-to-face -face doesn't always communicate as well. So I encourage you to consider that. Maybe, maybe have an online service at another time other than the Sunday morning. Yes, certainly continue to, to broadcast or, or stream your services on Sunday morning for the members of the church who have to miss a, a Sunday or two, and then they can catch up because they're not just listening to you. I hate to break that to you. They're not just listening to you. They're trying to be present. They're seeing who else is there. They're listening for the voices that they recognize beyond just yours as the preacher. But these online folks, this whole new world that we have created might needs a special shepherd, a special tending in a way. So as we go forward, we might think about how we create this congregation of online folks and continue to proclaim to them. Doesn't mean we have to have two separate messages, but maybe two different formats. It's like those churches who have a traditional service and a contemporary service. Surely there's some shifting between the message in one and then the other. Well, maybe now we also add an online service, a way to be fully present with them. Don't just treat them as onlookers, kibitzers from the back row. But they're a part and parcel of what we do. And if you do, put them together and have the present congregation and the online congregation at the same time, don't forget to welcome them to the welcome, the online ones, to pay attention to those that are there. And maybe find a moment where you speak only to them and let the people in the congregation wonder where you've gone. And who watching on the screen. I really think that in the end, this is not just 
an unsettled time that we've had to figure out something to, to do in the meantime as we waited for things to return to normal, quote unquote. I think that this is God saying it's time to do a new thing. And because we're not quick enough of the uptake to just figure it out on our own, this whole situation is here as an opportunity for us to figure out how to do church in a new and powerful, dynamic way. And in the end, I think our attention to online preaching and online worship will help enhance our in-person worship as well. So I invite you to continue proclaiming the word, continue inviting folks into that presence, continue to be you, even as God has called you to be the church at work in the world. Well, I hope this has given you a few things to think about as you continue your ministry and your mission, both online and in person as you make that transition. There'll be other opportunities that we will provide through the Worship Matters podcast as we evolve this into preaching matters and music matters and liturgy matters as we focus on some individual kinds of things. But as always, our goal is to help you do the worship you long to do in your place where you are. So as always, there are more resources that you can find on our website, which is umcdiscipleship.org. And know that we, the worship team at Discipleship Ministries, hold you and your worship ministry in our prayers on a regular basis and continue to follow your call to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world as you proclaim God's word through worship. Thanks be to God. Amen. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.